Okay. Ooh. It's amazing to see so many people here this morning. You're all so welcome. Um, my name's Chantelle, and I'm Paul and I are pastors here at Carrick Fergus Vineyard Church. So um, you're very welcome. Four families are going to dedicate their children to God this morning. So we're giving a special welcome to the Farrells, the Mathers, the Hansons, and the Moinnies, and all their family and friends. And you're welcome as well if you're here for the first time and you've come with the families to celebrate. So I'm just going to share a wee bit about dedication right now. Um, and then in a wee minute, I'm going to invite the couples to come up with their children or child. Um, so dedication is really an opportunity for parents to dedicate their children and babies to God. And they're going to make commitments in front of their family and friends and church. And we as a church are also going to make a commitment to them. So the family is a divine institution. It was God ordained from the beginning of human history. And children are a gift from God committed by him to their parents for care, protection and training for his glory. And if we look throughout the Bible, we can see times where people dedicated their children back to the care of God. For example, when Moses' mother, the well-known story, put her son in God's hands when she had to set him afloat in the Nile in a Moses basket to preserve his life. Samuel's mother recognized that her child was the Lord's when she brought him to Eli, the high priest, to be raised. And Joseph and Mary also brought um, the infant Jesus to the temple to be concentrated consecrated to the Lord and these parents that are with us today they're recognizing the sacredness of the responsibility God's given them and they're bringing back to the Lord the treasure which he has entrusted them with and we also see in the Bible how important children were to Jesus because he said let the children come to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these Jesus' arms were wide open to receive the children and for them to meet with him in a personal way. So today we're recognizing how special Judy, Faith and Alfie, Carter and Sawyer, Caris, Bethany and Sophia are to Jesus. Um, there's a wee saying in Africa um, which says it takes a village to raise a child. You may have heard that before. And we want our church family here to be a really nurturing and inspiring place where we encourage parents and equip our children as little saints that they will know God and his love for them from a really early age. And you know, there's so many children in our church and we are so excited about what God is doing in their lives and, and the young people. We've got a group called Gems, Sparklers, Rockets and Sold for the young people on a Sunday. But also during the week, we know that God is at work in their lives, where they are in their schools and their homes. And we're excited that the children who are being dedicated today um, are getting to be a part of that too. And they're already a part of it. So this morning, these families are going to come before God and us as a church for three reasons. To present their children to the Lord for his blessing to dedicate themselves to that task and to ask for our help and prayers as their church family. So I'd like to invite the families to come up now. Sarah and Paul are going to bring up Judy, Faith and Alfie. Paul and Ali are going to bring up Carter and Sawyer if you want to come up. And Laura and Johnny are going to bring Karis. And Johnny and Paula are going to bring Bethany and Sophia. So if you all want to come up. That'd be lovely. Why don't we welcome them?
And that's lovely. Big brother Josh is coming too. <laughs> okay. Well, I was praying for these guys during the week. So I'm just going to pray, kind of say a few things, pray a few things over each of the children now. So Judy, Louise, I got all your middle names as well. I pray that you would know that you're unique and you're special, that you could stand up and be who you're called to be and be proud to be you and who God's made you to be. And Faith Ella, is that right? Yeah. Um, your name is about trusting and believing, so I pray that you would place your trust in God, but also that others would place their trust in you and that they would be heard by you because I think you're a trustworthy girl and God will use you in that way. And Alfie Paul, I pray that God would give you wisdom like Paul in the Bible, that you'll see God do amazing things in and through you and people around you, and maybe that you might even write about it like Paul in the Bible did, that you'll influence people to follow God. And Carter, Carter Lewis, um, I read that Lewis means well-known fighter. So I pray that Carter would be distinguished in battle. He'd be equipped by God to stand up for his kingdom and to stand up for people he can't defend themselves and that he would also do that in a way that's right for him and be himself. Sawyer Lillian, I pray abundance and exuberance over your life, that you'd welcome all that God has for you and for others around you and that you'd see God do impossible things in people's lives. And Karis, Amelia, I pray that you would be determined and hardworking. I think you already are. And that you would break new ground. But I think you're going to do that with a soft edge, full of grace and kindness, like your name, Karis, means. And we have Bethany, don't worry, Bethany Grace. I pray that you'll have such a close relationship with Jesus that you'll sit at his feet and like your name, Grace, you will know his outrageous and abundance, Grace, and you'll show that to other people. Just let him go. Aquima. Sophia Hope, tears are okay. We like tears in this church. Sophia Hope, lastly, Sophia. I love that Sophia means woman of wisdom, and I pray that God will give you wisdom coupled with hope. That's a powerful combination, that through you there will be creative solutions to brokenness in communities. And we thank God for what you're passing on to Sophia through your love and through your family. So I'm just going to ask these families three questions now, the parents. Sarah and Paul, um, Paul and Ali, Laura and Johnny, and Johnny and Paula. Okay, so I'm going to ask the question, and you can all say, we will, or, okay? So, will you provide an upbringing for Judy, Faith, and Alfie, Carter and Sawyer, Karis, Bethany, and Sophia, that is based on the principles of God's kingdom, where love, kindness, forgiveness, and selflessness are demonstrated? Will you encourage Jody, Faith and Alfie, Carter and Sawyer, Karis, Bethany and Sophia to grow into the people that God has purposed them to be? And will you commit to pray for and with Jody, Faith and Alfie, Carter and Sawyer, Karis and Bethany and Sophia on a regular basis? Okay, now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I present these children, Jody, Faith and Alfie, Carter and Sawyer, Karis, Bethany and Sophia for your protection and to your saving and sanctifying grace. Now church, um, I'd really like to ask you to stand with me and make these promises together and they're going to come up on the screen, hopefully.
Okay, we'll say them together, okay? We rejoice with you and give thanks for the gift of your child. We promise with humility and seriousness to share in your child's nurture and well-being. We will support by our prayers your efforts to provide a loving and caring home where trust in Christ, God grows and Christ's way is chosen. Our prayers will be with you and for you. May our shared life and witness help make your task both joyful and fruitful. You can take a seat. Thank you. I'm just going to pray. Lord, I just thank you for these families. I thank you for the fact that they want to share uh, your love with their children. They want to let them be all that God has destined them to make to be. And I just pray, Lord, as they make those promises this morning, that you will go with them, you will go before them. We know you do, and that you will bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys, you can sit down now. Thank you. Give them a clap. Oh, yes. Paul's just given us. Great stuff. Okay. Well, wasn't that brilliant? Oh, that was such fun. And uh, if there's any of you that are wondering... Um, why, why, why is Chantel doing that, you know, goodness, uh, and all the rest? I can tell you quite truthfully that if I was doing that, all the children would be crying right now. That's exactly why she's doing that. And uh, I, I just love it. Do you know, a real picture of, of, I think, our relationship with God the Father. You know, it's so good when they're up the front there and they don't quite do what they're meant to be doing. Is that right? They're kind of on the floor and they're totting around and there's tears and all the rest. And you just think, isn't that brilliant? Isn't that brilliant? And isn't that a reflection of what it's like with us and God? God's, God's like, I kind of want you over here right now because it's best for you or this is where you... And we're like, no, God, no. We want to be over here and we want to do this, that, the other. And uh, I don't know, just as a church, we are thrilled that there are so many young people's young lives in our church and we stand with you as families love to see there the mums and the dads there standing and making promises and uh, together as a church we will uh, run with you we will support you we will do whatever we can to help raise uh, raise your children raising children is a is a challenging thing but an amazing adventure too and uh, we're thrilled to be able to do that Uh, I hope that I'll be brief this morning but if I'm not, Harry here, he's my right-hand man. And whenever I see the old eyes kind of doing this, he's the prompt. I know I need to kind of wrap things up. So uh, that's, that's woken him up already. <laughs> Welcome. Um, you, you join us. We're, we're week four. We're doing a series on this thing called discipleship. Jesus had disciples. We know anything about the Bible. And disciples really are followers or pupils and uh, followers of something or someone and the truth is that everyone's a disciple. Whether we choose to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus or of something or someone else, we are all disciples. Uh, I, I mentioned this three or four weeks ago. Uh, anyone got an Apple Macintosh product, uh, an iPhone or an iPad or any of those other whizzy things with the Apple? And loads of us, loads of us got that. And there's a massive following of that. Uh, just the other day, I was in Leicester. Uh, massive shopping center, if ever you've been to Leicester. And I'm walking through. Shops don't really float my boat much. 
but, uh, but I was in there and I saw North Face Shop. I was like, oh, it's heaven, I've arrived, I've arrived. And I was with this other fella here and I was like straight into the North Face. Some of you are looking and thinking, he's nuts. I have no idea even what North Face is. But it's a clothing brand or an outdoor clothing brand. I've gone in and I was like, oh, this is absolutely brilliant. The bloke I was with was like, that does nothing for me. But there's the Apple store, two doors up. I'm going there. And I just thought, goodness, isn't that right? We're in amongst our culture and our society. There are followers. We are followers of people and of things. And uh, we here, obviously as a church, just to set your minds at rest, we choose to be uh, followers of Jesus that would lay down our lives, that we would become more like him. And that being a disciple isn't just about surviving the culture, trying to get away from the big bad world and all its problems and all its influences. It isn't about that. Being a disciple of Jesus is about taking that which God has given us to transform the culture and society. And I do believe that we have a message to tell. And it is not the message, forgive me, if you have been in context like this and you have heard a message of, 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 of hell, fire and damnation, the message of the cross, the message of salvation is a message of hope and of love and of truth towards every individual, no matter what part of our lives. That is the very, very crux of, of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The reason we're here is we have simply responded to what God has done for us. And uh, so what I want to talk about this morning is, is how did Jesus actually de- train and disciple? How did he train his lads? He had 12 of them, and he had three years to do the job. How did he do it? Because he had lots to teach them, because in three years he was going back to be with the Father. So what did he need to do? He needed to teach them and train them how to pray, how to use the Scripture, how to share his life with others, to teach and train others. They had to teach him how to hear his voice, to demonstrate compassion and grace, but also to demonstrate his miraculous power. And it's that that I want to focus on this morning. Uh, Those of you who've been around us for a while, you'll know, uh, you'll have heard us quote a man called John Wimber. John Wimber was part of the band, the Righteous Brothers, believe it or not, he was a saxophone player in that. And he helped establish what we now know as the Vineyard Church worldwide. And whenever John became a Christian, he went to a particular church and he just devoured the Bible. He just read it over and over again, especially the Gospels. And he learned about all the things that Jesus did and all the things that Jesus taught. And he learned about all the ways that Jesus trained his disciples to do the same as he did. And after a while of attending the church that he was going to at that time, he went to the pastor or the minister or whatever the title of the bloke who was in charge was. And he said this question, when do we get to do the stuff? Just plain, simple language. When do we get to do the stuff? And, uh, and he's like, well, what do you mean? What, what stuff? And he's like, the Jesus stuff. When do we get to you know, you know, heal the sick? When do we get to raise the dead? When do we get to cast out demons? And he's like, no, 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 John, you've got, you've got it all wrong, mate. You've got it all wrong. No, that, 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 that was just then. Now is different. And it grew in him a real discontent because the Bible that he was reading, the interpretation of the Bible that he was reading was like, this for now. It's for now. 
God has given us power and authority to go do the Jesus things. And uh, I want to look at kind of just kind of how he did that. The first passage is coming up. It's from Mark. The first way that Jesus did it is he did the miracles and he let his disciples see what he was doing. Uh, So while Jesus was uh, still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus. He was uh, a synagogue leader. Uh, He says, your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them out, he took the child's father, mother, and the three disciples who were with him. And he went into the child, and the rest of the story we're not going to read there, um, is, is, is he heals this, this girl, brings her back to life. It's the most incredible miracle. One of many incredible miracles that Jesus really did. The point is this. Jesus goes to the house and he takes three of his disciples with him. He's saying, come on over here, lads. You're going to see, you're going to experience something that you would never believe. This is incredible. And so he does that. He invites um, the, the three of his closest disciples to be with him to see this miracle happen. The next step in the training process is that Jesus involves his disciples in the miracle. We're in John 6. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had mind what he was going to do. It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to just have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, uh, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. The rest, I'm going to paraphrase to, uh, to, to speed up with time here. Jesus has gathered a massive crowd. We read the exact same story. It's the feeding of the 5,000. The 5,000 was obviously an estimate of just the men that were counted that day. So there were women and children. It's a massive crowd that's been gathered. It's a very, very well-known story. And uh, Jesus, actually, in a different passage uh, in Matthew's version, actually says to his disciples, you feed them. This is the moment in time when Jesus doesn't just do the miracle, which he obviously does. He multiplies five loaves, five bread rolls and two fish to feed everyone with 12 basketfuls of food left over at the end. He's the one who does the miracle always. But he involves his disciples in the process. He invites them into the story. He says, you feed them. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? Philip's obviously an accountant. He works out, it's going to cost a lot of money, half a year's wages just to give him a bite. My goodness, how's that going to happen? But Jesus invites them into the story and invites them into it. And he says, make them sit down. And again, in a different version, in a different gospel, um, he says, sit them in groups of 50. You can imagine 12 blokes and 5,000 plus the wives and the children going, you, you guys, you sit here. 
And you guys sit there, and you guys sit there, and you guys, and just wait your turn, wait your turn. Jesus does the miracle, hands it out to the 12, and they start dishing it out. And it gets more and more and more and more. And I know for some of us, we're sitting there going, oh, that's a nice story. It happened. It, happened. it wouldn't be recorded all these different ways. And um, Jesus invites his disciples to be part of the miracle and involves them in that way. The next step is, lads, it's your turn. Off you go. You're going to go and do the stuff I've been showing you. The apprentice is get to go. Those of you looking forward to the, uh, the Star Wars film that's coming, it's like sending the Padawan Jedi out. You're going to have to have a go here yourself, lads. We're in Luke 9. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority. And those two words are really key in understanding this and what's actually happening. Jesus has given the 12 disciples power and authority. Why? To drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were ill. And he tells them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town. Shake the dust off your feet as a testament against them. So they set out and they went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Jesus gives them power and authority to do the Jesus stuff. When do we get to do the stuff? He trained his disciples in such a way, said, now you go, I am sending you. He does it again uh, later uh, in Luke 10. The Lord appointed 72 others and he sends them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Jesus selects just this larger group of people. And again, the same mandate, go into all the different places. Now, they go and the miraculous, not surprisingly, happens. The most incredible things happen. And you can imagine a regular guy or girl going and, and praying for someone and it actually really happens. It actually works. And here in our church, we want to push into this stuff because we believe it's for today. And here's the reality. Sometimes when we pray for people, for God to make them better, guess what happens? Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. And that's okay. And that's a whole different sermon about the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. And that's for another time. But the truth is this. Unless we ask, we ain't going to get. And so unless we put ourselves in a position where we're saying, God, we believe that you still do this stuff today, and we're going to ask, would you do the miracle that only you can do, then it's not going to happen. And so sometimes when we do pray, and we do pray for folks in our church, and maybe today 
will get an opportunity to do that, to pray for those who are not well. Uh, so these guys, the 72, they've come back, and you can imagine, they're like, woohoo, yeah, we got one, we got one, and God's doing just the most amazing stuff. And this is where Jesus graciously coaches them a little bit. He says, it's a bit like this, don't get too big for your boots. Uh, it says this, uh, the 72, they returned with joy. They said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You can imagine the disciples going, oh, look at all this. That you're doing. This is amazing. We give ourselves a pat on the back going, oh, aren't we great? And Jesus says, just be more concerned that your names are written in the book, that you're going there someday. You're right, young fella? Just stretching your legs? That's all right. I like to stretch mine from time to time. That's all right. Where are we going? Kind of coming into land. So Jesus goes to be with the Father, but he promises us God would be with us always through the person and power of the Holy Spirit, who is God, who, if we are a Christian today, lives and dwells within us and gives us the power and gives us the authority to go do the Jesus stuff. And Jesus came to them from Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then in Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Jesus has spent his three years with his disciples. He's trained them. He's done the show and tell stuff, the stuff that we do with our own children. He showed them, this is it. He explains it. And then he says, now it's over to you. Parents uh, of little ones here uh, this morning, we are entrusted to be the most influential people in our children's lives, to be involved in their lives, to see what God has given our individuals. I love that Chantelle, whenever she does the dedications, is she spends time praying for each one of you and trying to listen to see what God might be saying to individuals, to declare uh, things that God might be saying, speaking over their individual lives. Because here's the thing, as we all know, every child is so different, so different. And, and our job as parents is to see what God has given our individual children and call it out of them, bring it out of them, and champion them on to be who they're meant to be, and who God intended them to be. I love it that in our church, our children seem to be leading the way in a lot of what I've been talking about this morning. Uh, one story just to finish, and then the guys are going to come up and lead another song of worship. Um, about six months ago, uh, a number of folks uh, from the rugby club um, were doing a bag pack uh, to raise some money uh, for a rugby tour that they were going on. 
And uh, one of our children here in the church, uh, who's 11, <coughs> was, was packing bags for individuals coming through, and they had the boxes. You've been there, haven't you? It's kind of like, do I let the little children pack the bags or not? <coughs> and you're like, I want to give them some money, but I'm not sure that the bread go in with the milk and the cauliflower and everything else, because it's all going to get crumpled up. So you're all right, thanks, but where are you going, Johnny? Great, there's a pound, and away you go. <coughs> so... Our kids are there, the kids from the rugby club, they're packing bags. And uh, this one lad who's at the rugby club but also comes to this church here, he sees this lady who's in a wheelchair coming through the counter, coming uh, there. And this lad, one of our lads, says to this lady, says, can I, can I pray for you? Right, really bold, really bold, sees this lady in the wheelchair, wants to pray for, for this lady who's in the wheelchair. And I'm thinking, flip me, as a grown-up, goodness, it takes real boldness and real courage to actually approach someone, doesn't it? Say, can I pray for you? And so this lad invites this lady, can I pray for you? The funny thing is, she, she was a bit, a bit hard of hearing maybe, and she thought he said, can I pay for you? <laughs> <laughs> which, which wasn't the agenda. And, uh, and I think there was the daughter of the lady was there, like, no, no, mum, no. The, the lads asked, can I pray for you? And she, she was like, yes. And uh, this lad got to pray with this lady in the wheelchair. And uh, she's really touched and really bowled over by that. And, uh, you know, we, we hear that story. We hear of stories where in classrooms, some of our children are praying for others in the classrooms. We're thinking, oh, my goodness, what have we started it's the kingdom. It's God's mercy. It's God's grace. It's God's favor. And it's not weird or wonderful or wacky or any of that stuff. It's the Jesus stuff. It's a message of hope, a message of love, a message of grace that's communicated. And Jesus is inviting us as his disciples, as we lay down our lives, to go do that stuff. To go do that stuff. So... That's that. Can we come? We're going um, to sing another song, and then we're going to pray. And then it's tea, coffee, donut time. And you can stretch your legs again. You can really go for it. Don't give them any sweets, though. So. Folks, let's stand together. <clears throat>